and welcome back to The Catch. My name is Michael Adams. I'm joined by my co-host, John Rahimi. Yes, welcome to The Catch, the podcast where we talk about food and things all the time. Not this time. I think this Not is this time. one time we don't have food. I we'll don't think we're going to talk about next food. Week. Next week. Food. <laughs> yes, we'll talk about our opinions on steak or something like that. But I did want to say, for those of you who may have an attentive ear, you may have noticed that we sound a lot better this, uh, this last week and now this time. We That's hope because you noticed. We hope you noticed because it sounds a lot better, I think. <laughs> we, uh, you know, kind of broke the piggy bank a little bit and splurged on a nice microphone. At least I did. Mike already had one, but. I I've... broke the bank before. I was just like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going for it. Yeah. But so now John it's... and I are real cute. We have matching microphones. We, we have matching cool. headphones. We have almost matching hats. They're kind of the same. Color. We had matching beards until my mother made me shave. Except mine wasn't quite as luscious as I'm just yours. Just waiting for Michael to shave his head so he looks like me. Never. No, it's, it's okay. It's the Rogaine. Um, but yeah, I think it's just nice to have a new a new microphone because now it's like every word that comes from my mouth is delicious. It just sounds so cool in the headphones. It's like a tasty uh, feat for the listener. It probably sounds better for us than it does you guys, but we'll whatever. Take it. Hopefully, you I think it like sounds it. cool. But yeah, it's been it's been kind of nice. But Michael's also told me that he has become a whittling expert. Whittle the wood. A whittle master. Whittle no, I haven't. I haven't yet. What do you plan on whittling, actually? So, um, how this actually idea was born is my dad brought me this giant stick. And he was like, Michael, this is the perfect walking stick. And I was like, you're right. It is a perfect walking stick. And I was like, man, how could I make this even cooler? And so I was like, you know what? What if I whittled it? And so I grabbed a knife and I was like cutting the bark off and kind of doing some initial whittling, as you will. Um, and about halfway through, I was like, man, how do people do like cool, like artistic things with it? I'm like the least artistic person I know, but <laughs> impulse me was like, you know what? Let's buy a whittling kit. And so I spent 20 bucks on Amazon, got a whittling kit. It's going to be here on Tuesday and I'm making these nice, beautiful, scrumptious walking sticks. And my dad wants me to, my dad wants me to make them and sell them. I don't know how well that'll do. Oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd buy one, but I think uh, it's just funny that we're not actually talking about food, but we still use adjectives that describe food. That's what John and I think about all the time. We're just hungry people. Um, can you whittle me one that has like a giant eagle head? I'm staring at my stuffed animal eagle that David McCormick got me. It's sitting on my desk over there. Can you whittle me one with an eagle head on the top? I'm definitely talented enough to do that. Yeah, I probably could. Yeah. It seems like it'd, it'd probably take me like, I don't know, 20 minutes. Yeah, that's not Easy. a challenge in any way. No. <laughs> For me, who's what never... What else do you You know, I haven't decided that yet. I'm like just kind of... Right? Yeah, you could do figurines. The goal is that I would do a walking stick, and on the top there'd be like a little figurine dude. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You yeah, know? exactly. But I just... I'm not artistic. Like, I can't even draw. Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know how to draw. Like, people are like, oh, like, what do you sketch during class? Like, do you sketch like little flowers, like the sky or little people? I'm like... No, I just like draw random lines. Like, oh, you're one of those people. I was, I was. It's kind of drew like X's, or I draw lines, and I'd, you know, fill in the circles that I draw. Yeah, really, really creative. That's as far as my artistic abilities have ever gone. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, I used to think some of my classmates this past year were taking ferocious notes in class, and I looked over their notebook, and it was just a bunch of pictures. I was like, wait a second. 
I'm over here scribbling away. My hand has like carpal tunnel syndrome now. And he's over there just kind of drawing flowers. Come on, people. Hey, maybe anyway. he's like, what's the opposite? Like not photographic memory, but like as soon as he, like audiographic memory, as soon as he hears something, he just never forgets it. Do people have that? That's incredible. I don't know. I wish. I wish I had it. That'd be great. It'd save so much time. But speaking of working differently, I don't know. That was the worst segue possible. But uh, we wanted to talk about, we got a request from uh, a friend of one of our associates. Yes. Shout out to Nicole Anderson. Thank you for the suggestion here. That's right. You can suggest topics and we will talk about them. So if you have any, please shoot us an email and we'll be happy to work it in. And we'll do it quickly too. I think Nicole requested this like a week ago and we were like, you know what? Yeah. We're doing it. Like push off all their plans. We're doing it next week. We'll do the rest of them later. We definitely had plans before that. Yeah. We definitely had other ideas. (laughs) Anyways, uh, she suggested that we talk about uh, what it's like to work and engage with people kind of in the secular world who are more antagonistic towards religion and Christianity more specifically. Um, Cause a lot of times we find it that it's hard to talk about your faith or to live it well, or to just engage in those conversations with people on a daily basis, because there is just such a hostility towards religion nowadays, uh, especially Catholicism. We're basically like a giant punching bag and they're the rock'em sock'em robots who are just like, ba-ding, 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 you know? So uh, I don't have the most experience in this because I'm a dweeby seminarian who left uh, right after college and went into the seminary. Michael, on the other hand, is going into the workforce and he also did an internship last year. So he's got a lot to say on this, I think. Yeah, I'm a seasoned vet, you know. <laughs> Essentially, give me my 401k, my retirement plan. I'm just mature as they come. No, but I have had multiple jobs over the past five years um, through internships and through just various projects I've worked on in school, um, as well as just yeah. worked at a golf course where, you know, a lot of things get said, not a lot of thought get put into what <laughs> is said. <laughs> so really anything can come out of someone's mouth. Um, but yeah, I've, I've experienced this. And so when Nicole requested this, I was like, man, that's actually a great one because I still am not a pro at this and I'm, I'm learning a lot about how to deal with these situations. Um, and I think really common is just like, I think of like the, what do they call it? The water cooler talk. Mm, or uh-huh. like, yeah. Talk over like lunch. I know me and coworkers used to sit down at lunch together every day. And I remember one time we were sitting outside and somebody noticed the Benedictine bracelet on my wrist. Oh, like, yeah. oh what, what, what is that? I explained them what it was X, Y, Z. And then three days later, after knowing that I was like religious and Catholic, they talked about um, some other things that I won't repeat, but it wasn't oh. very fond of the church um, oh. or the clergy specifically. Oh, um, good. Love those. Yeah. I love those conversations. Um, and I remember I felt very uncomfortable, um, especially I was the youngest in the table and I didn't really know how to respond. And mm-hmm. I was just kind of feeling like, I feel this responsibility to like stick up for my faith, but I also don't want to say something and make people mad or offend them or like lose my job. Cause I said something knowing that more than likely my idea isn't going to be the one that is necessarily like favored with, <laughs> you know, mine's sure. probably going to be the more outlier of them. Um, yeah. So this is like a tough thing to actually go through. And I think more people in this world 
in the most like in the present time and like the state of like the United States, the state of the world, like this is just becoming more and more prevalent. And it's important that we talk about how we do this and how we effectively do it. Yeah. Um, I was just reading something yesterday from a book that I've mentioned before on the podcast uh, by Ram- what his name? Romano Gordini. Uh, it's called Learning the Virtues That Lead You to God. Highly recommend this book. Super good. But I was reading a section on truthfulness and I was very convicted by this because it is truthfulness, as he says, is the most subtle of all virtues, but there are persons who handle it like a club. Um, how does this tie into what we're talking about? Well, we as Christians, as Catholics, believe that we right, hold the truth, the fullness of truth in the faith. Uh, revealed in Christ. So uh, it's easy for us though, to handle that truth like a club, as he puts it by kind of like, as he says, adapting ourselves, right? We adapt the truth, um, which in a way can be a good thing, right? If we're evangelizing, but I think the greater tendency of adapting the truth is the coward's one. Um, I know I've done this plenty of times, but we kind of like, Oh, I, I know what we, we know who we're talking to. We kind of have that sense about us. Um, either from what they've said to us or we just kind of know the person um, and we see that, oh, it might not be favorable to talk about this with them uh, or I could emphasize something else or kind of put away other things. We don't really give witness to the truth. We kind of manipulate it such that it makes us look better or makes things easier for us, whatever the case might be. Um, and we hide away. Yeah, that's exactly right, John. Um, completely agree. I, I especially identify with that idea of just like that coward mindset. Mm-hmm. I think it's extremely tough um, being in the situations of like the secular world. And I think like with friends, um, like I have some really good friends of mine that I've known my entire life who have no aspect of religion in their life. I still love them to death, but sometimes it's hard when those topics get brought up because there is like a very sharp difference in how we think and how we believe. Yeah. Um, so like, finding the courage to actually speak up and speak truth into those moments, knowing that like we don't have any really right to be afraid, knowing that we do hold the truth in our hands. Mm-hmm. And so if we're presenting that truth and we have nothing to actually fear. Um, yeah. But I think just in temp- there's like a temptation inside our hearts to just kind of back down and just let them feel good and feel hurt. It's like, Oh, if I speak up or if I do anything like it's just going to, they're going to hate me. They're not going to be my friend or they're not going to work with me or X, Y, Z thing. And we kind of self-deprecate in that idea. Yeah. So it kind of leads me to, okay, so like, what do we do actually in those situations? And like, kind of going off, like, what have you and I found effective in certain dif- more difficult conversations? Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, it kind of goes back to the idea of just like witness. You know, it's always like that, oh, be a witness to God. It's like kind of, kind of overused, to be completely honest. But um, it holds weight. Um, and kind of more than just like, oh, be a witness. It's my strategy that I personally use, and you can tell me if you like this or hate this, is I typically more go for, I don't argue. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like I have a strict rule. I will not argue about mm-hmm. religion. Uh, same thing with politics. I won't, I won't argue about politics. Um, but what I will do is I'll clarify and I will educate mm-hmm. and I will explain. Um, those are kind of my three cr- criteria for how I actually go about these conversations is one, a lot of times these crazy ideas that people say, are these crazy jokes, it's like, okay, you're seeing it from one point of view, but let me explain to you like the actual truth behind why we believe this or why we do this. It's like, Oh, yeah. Catholics are crazy. They do this, that or the other. It's like, <laughs> okay. From the outside looking in. We're yeah. We look, yeah. We look 
nuts. We look absolutely crazy. And so if I didn't understand it, I'd think the same thing to be completely honest. Like I got to give them some credit. Like from outside looking in, we're weird, but taking time to actually clarify why we believe it or like why we do these things or just educate, you know what? Like, no, you just have a misconception of like what the church actually stands for or like this issue in the church. It's like, okay, maybe you don't actually fully understand. Like you hear it from like the secular news, like, Oh, what does CNN say about the church? I can guarantee it's nothing good. Pretty used to that by now. <laughs> yeah. But just understanding, like, it first starts with yourself, though, too. Yeah. Asking questions, educating yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of uh, first, P- first Letter of Peter, Chapter 3. Um, it says, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Mm-hmm. And then it further goes on to say, but do it with gentleness and reverence. Yeah. Um, I think those are just both important distinctions. And I think oftentimes like when it's something so close to our hearts, we get really feisty. I do like as much as I have a rule, I don't argue. I love to argue at the same time. Um, I love to make sure people know that I'm right. Um, I think just understanding like that gentleness is so important. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past of just, Whatever, however we live our life, whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever example we give off, if people know that we are Christian, if they know that we are Catholic, all these different things, we will be their example and we will be their tangible example that they can look to in their life and say, oh, I know so-and-so is Christian. Therefore, that is what Christianity is, or that's, therefore, that's what Christians are. Um, So there's like this responsibility within our own hearts to actually stick up, clarify, educate, and give them an authentic witness and offer them the truth let them do what they want with the truth they don't have to accept the truth but also we have a responsibility to actually give them the truth and it actually says earlier in that uh peter chapter three says now who is going to harm you if you are enthusiastic for what is good Mm. so you're holding the truth in your hand even if they don't accept it if you do so with gentleness and like just peace in your heart what are they going to do they're going to say i don't agree with you okay that's fine. But I thought it'd be beneficial to still help you, educate you, let you get an insight of like why people actually would believe this, why people would waste time on a Sunday going to church. Yeah. Sorry. All I was thinking of when you were talking was, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. Do you remember that song? Do you guys sing that song growing up? Yeah. Sometimes public school life. No. Oh yeah. Also, you know how I love praise and worship music. I know you're just a huge fan of it, but that was like growing up. That was our anthem at the parish school that I went to. I got yelled at for not clapping along with it, but whatever. Not bitter about it still 20 years later. Um, No, but I think your, your approach there is so right, but I have such a hard time with it because we share this in common. We both like to argue a lot. And uh, I've been sitting with this a lot recently. It was like, why do I need to make sure that everyone knows that I'm right? Like it's not, this isn't the end goal. Like who am I like arguing for? Am I arguing so they like come to know God or am I arguing so they know that I'm right and that they will be like, Oh, look at him. He's so smart. I love him. Like, no, stop that. Always the element of pride coming in from the back door. Dude. He's just like sitting there like, Oh, please open the door for me. Oh yes. Enter, enter, come in. Love to have you. Um, But right. Like the example we get from Jesus too, isn't that like, yeah, we see him get feisty with people sometimes. but he explains it, which I love what you said there. Um, 
it's not like out to prove them wrong. It's out to show them the truth. Um, and even the road to Emmaus, like he's asking questions, he's walking with them, even in the wrong direction, such that he can be with them um, and really understand their side of it. Like, okay, why is it that you think that? Why is it like asking questions is we've talked about this like all year, but like asking questions, which is something that I realize I don't do often in conversations with people. I just kind of jump right into like the meat without ever understanding where they actually are. It's like, Oh, they don't understand what I'm going to talk about right now. It's like, no, you need to ask questions, see where they are, where are they coming from? Because that'll inform a lot of what you talk about and allows you to kind of build them gradually. Right. Gradualism is a very important thing to recognize of like, it takes time to get there. It's like progress. It's not just like, you know, zero to a hundred and point one seconds, whatever. I don't know, but it's, it's very difficult. And I, I know that I struggle with that a ton. So I, I, I think your, your methodology there is, is good. Arguing usually doesn't help. Um, so especially in big public settings too, if there's a lot of people around like arguing with someone is only going to make them feel more defensive more insecure and it's when has that ever converted anyone <laughs> no exactly and you hit it on the spot with this like offering that listen it's like um verbal judo if you remember yes, that the verbal we judo. Did, John. It's like when somebody's really mad or when you're really mad and somebody says you need to calm, calm down. down you do the exact opposite you get freaking mad yeah so it's that same idea of we are sitting there in the chair, like we're boiling over. It's like, man, I can't believe they just said that. Or like, I can't believe like they think that like, man, they just don't understand. Like, I wish they could understand. So I'm going to beat no. them with the truth until they understand. With my giant truth club. Bam, bam, bam. And it's important that like we, in these moments, like when we're like trying to speak truth, like we want them to hear us and we yeah. want them to believe us. We want them to understand what we're saying and we want them to offer us time to actually speak into these moments. And if we want them to offer us that listening ear and offer like them, like if we want them to respect us, respect our opinions, X, Y, Z, we therefore actually have to start by doing the same to them. Like it has to start with them. Like they have to feel comfortable. They can be like, you know what, Michael, I think you're an idiot for it still. Like (laughs) I hear what you're saying, but I just don't agree with you. I had this experience when I was younger, X, Y, Z thing happened. And now I don't believe her. Like, you know, I grew up like this and I've never found that, worthwhile whatever it is being able to hear them out and hear why they believe what they believe is just as important as us telling them what we believe and why we believe it yeah exactly that's that is spot on show the little r-e-s-p-e-c-t you know what i'm saying oh yeah you know the reefer but yeah i think as we're just kind of you know riffing on this the the other thing that comes the other side of right this topic we talk about truthfulness and stuff but kind of um Nicole's other comment was about kind of the hostility that we face as Christians. I think a lot of times we're like, why is this so unfair? Uh, Why does everyone hate us? Like we're just trying to love them and show them like truth, beauty and goodness. And this should be easy. Um, Like no one else shows so much antagonism towards any other people, which is a load of crap anyway, but we've, it's not true. Like look at the Jewish people. Um, But like, we get this in our heads that like we're being so mistreated. We're so oppressed as Christians, which okay, live anywhere else besides the United States, like go to the middle East. They have it way worse than we do. Um, but if we look at John 15, I think it's a good kind of way into 
how do we kind of spiritually approach this? Cause I think you give a good practical way of like, how do we interact with people then for like our own interiority for our own, like centering of this, we like remain stable. Cause we need to listen to people, right. And like respect their, where they're coming from so, so that we know who we are um, and where we're coming from. We need to have right. A basis in Christ. So I think kind of having a, a scriptural background helps. So in John 15, right. This is during the last supper as Christ is talking to his, apostles but he says this is in 15 verse 18 following if the world hates you realize that it hated me first if you belong to the world the world would love you the world would love its own but because you do not belong to the world and i have chosen you out of the world the world hates you remember the word i spoke to you no slave is greater than his master if they persecuted me they will also persecute you so yeah we're not better than jesus (laughs) like he was spit on beaten yelled at they tried to stone him they tried to throw him off a cliff so um yeah we're not better than him so we're gonna in a way experience all of these things in our own life and we need to be ready for that i think in that that kind of segment that you just read there's this tendency for us to isolate ourselves then it's like, yeah. okay, well, the world denies me. So it's just me mm. on my own and I am yeah. fighting this fight and everyone hates me. The world hates me. Um, mm. I think I've already said this actually on a podcast before, so I don't mean to double dip, but I'm going to um, from confession when I talked about this idea of being like kind of scared to share my faith. And I actually mm. think I was in confession being like, hey, like somebody badmouthed the faith and I didn't stick up for it. And like, I was embarrassed a little bit. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't know why that happened. Um, and what the quote was that he gave me was, even if the whole world abandons you, Jesus stands by you. Just mm-hmm. that idea of like, you're not in this fight alone. Um, yep. And an image that comes to my mind is an uh, image that actually it happens in Revelations. Um, it talks about like, the battle of the angels. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the very few times that St. Michael is mentioned in the Bible. If you don't know, St. Michael is just like, my boy, love him to death. Um, and it talks about it's like running into battle and he's running into battle against like the devil and running into battle against all these demons, everything. Um, and being a part of this world, like we are a part of that battle. You know, mm-hmm. we are constantly fighting in that battle. And within that, it's like just battle and war in general, there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be injuries. You know, you're going to get cut. You're going to get hit. You're going to get yeah. hurt. Um, what the beautiful thing is, is time is not experienced the same way here as it is in heaven. So it's like that fight has already occurred and we know the end of that fight. We know that Satan is defeated. Mm-hmm. It's in the same way, we know that the fight that we're winning, that we're fighting is a fight that we can win and that we will win. Yep. It's just a matter of getting up every time and to keep fighting. It's a matter of when you get knocked down, when you get cut, when you get hurt, it's a matter of just getting back up and saying, you know what? I fell. I got slapped in the face. All right, well, it's right back into battle, rushing right back into battle. Um, And again, it kind of goes back to the idea of just like that coward mindset versus that fearless mindset, fight or flight, and just trying to keep yourself in that mindset of fight. Right. Yeah. We talked about uh, last week talking about prayer and like the battle of prayer, right? So like same thing applies here on the outside. That battle's still present. Uh, I think the other danger too is that right? We have isolation on the one hand. Uh, and then the other issue can become that like we kind of become, uh, I think the word is masochists. I could be wrong, 
like we think like I need to suffer like and we kind of like in a weird way like want to suffer and like yeah it's not healthy <laughs> um, you read about like Saint Francis eating ashes on his food or yeah like, I need to do that to be holier or like really like convince people of this and it's like no you don't uh, yeah, that, that, was, that, that idea was of him. like self-deprecation as a way to like holiness is yeah although it's been done in the past and like it's been a good like way of doing penance and people have gained holiness through it like that's not necessarily the call to everyone yeah like, exactly they're individually called here not exactly not that everyone is called to this so it's not a call to the mass the mass no. the call to the mass is holiness and sanctity but right. that the way that we get there is going to be unique to each and every yes. individual so you can't just say well saint yeah. francis ate ashes on his food therefore i'm gonna go get ashes and put it on my food it's like nope that's just gonna taste gross for you sorry no yeah or like i think the other my brother and i were talking about this last night but this kind of idea where we think like we won't see God's like glory or his power if we don't like put ourselves into these really uh, difficult situations or like intense suffering. Like I think the example he used, which I thought was pretty good at illustrating the point in an absurd way, was like, uh, like we need to see that God will save you. So I'm going to push you out into the street in front of a moving truck. And then I'll pull you back at the last. Look how good God is. He saved you. And it's like, why'd you have to push me out in front of the truck? Like you didn't have to do that to know that God is good. So, um, but I think the point here is I'm trying to make is that we need to understand like why the suffering, the suffering is not just this kind of like, it's good for me. Like, yeah, in a way, but why is it good for you? Um, and I don't know where this is. I was reading the Liturgy of the Hours somewhere in one of the readings that we got, but probably from Paul, he, he talks about our suffering is like Christ's in that Christ suffered and died so as to come into his glory. So for us to like, to suffer with him, right. To associate our, ourselves with the name of Jesus, that will then lead to persecution and to suffer that persecution is heated because we're now associated with him um, to suffer that so that we might come into the, his glory, right. As he did. Um, and to draw other people, right. As he does. Um, this is kind of the idea of the ascension. Like we're co-workers in his saving action now that we draw all people to us to bring them into the glory of being in union with the father. So we need to understand that Christ suffered. We will also suffer such that we will be given the glory of God at the end of time. So it's not just this kind of like, you know, tough it out kind of thing. No, like there's a, there's a joy that we talk about like joyful suffering or redemptive suffering. Like these ideas kind of play into that. Yeah, you're hitting everything I'm thinking right now spot on. I really don't even have anything to add on that one, John. Kind of took my words away there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it sounds nice. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, like you can find joy and suffering and yada, yada. But I do really think that when we allow ourselves to really understand that we're sharing in Christ's work, we're sharing in his very like life by doing that. And like, being persecuted and accepting the fact that the world hates it, hates us. Um, it's not an isolating thing, right? It's not like it's me against the world, but that they hated him first. Like they hated his name. They hated what he did. Um, and they rejected him. Like we need to be ready and willing to accept that reaction from other people. Like you talk about this. Okay, fine. Like I, I spoke the truth. I gave it to you. Fine. Um, it doesn't mean you give up necessarily, but, um, also recognizing that like, we're not, we aren't Jesus. We associate with him, but we aren't him himself because, uh, 
he's the one who saves people, not us. Like we're not messiahs. He's the messiah and we do all this for his glory and for him and not for us. That's why like when I've fallen into like arguing with people and getting angry at them, it's because it's about me and not about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it's interesting too, just that idea of these sufferings, you know, we're always told like in Christianity, it's like, oh, you know, I just have to carry my cross today. <laughs> or, you know, I've just been, I've been given another cross I have to carry. And I think again, like in that same idea, it's just like, oh man, I have all these crosses I have to carry. I have all this baggage. Mm-hmm. Again, Christ suffered first. Like he carried that cross and he offers mm-hmm. to carry your cross with him. Yeah. And it's just that matter of like, you don't have to just self-deprecate and like wallow in that suffering. Like you can offer that suffering up, find peace, find joy. And I think by finding that peace and that joy and sharing that outward is mm-hmm. almost one of the best witnesses and testaments that you can actually give to the faith. Just yeah. showing like, yeah, there is all this crazy stuff in the world, crazy stuff in my life. Like in that I have hope and I have joy. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that like, when I've experienced that, people's like, man, like what is different about that person? Like, how can they be so happy? You're like, how can they be so joyful? Like, how are they so calm right now? Like, shouldn't they be just like losing their mind? <laughs> no, there's, there's a different source of hope. Yeah, there is. And I think one of the things that's coming up a lot recently has been, I was just talking to my brother and his wife the other day, but the fear that you see today, especially with like the pandemic and the virus going around, there are so many people who are terrified. Um, and rightly so it's scary. I get that. Um, you have loved ones who may be more susceptible or whatever working in a job that would be more high risk. Fine. Um, but right. I think the word used is hope. Like our hope is oriented elsewhere. It's not here. Um, so if, if we keep our eyes stuck down here, it's only natural that we'd be terrified of death and of getting sick. Um, Cause that's it. Like my hope is in this world. And if it's over or things go bad, then yeah, you're, you're going to freak out a little bit. Um, and I think part of the reason why we see so many people angry at Christians, I mean, at the total only reason obviously there's a lot more, but is that they're confused as to the ones who they do see who do witness to that joy and that hope. And it's confusing because they're like, well, how the heck are you so joyful when I'm so miserable? And then I'm like, they might not like immediately understand they're miserable, but all their hope is in this world. And they kind of have this instinctive feeling that like, this can't be it, but everyone tells me it is. And I've grown up that way. So it must be it. I'll just go for it. But then when things go really bad, it's like, oh my gosh, this is awful. But this guy looks happy. And then I'm mad at him for being happy while I'm miserable. I think one of the sources of that hope um, just came from a conversation a few months ago of like, what is the worst thing that can happen in life? Yeah. What is the worst thing that can happen to a person in life? And there's crazy amounts of examples of terrible things that have happened to people. And I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to discount that and say that they're not awful. They are truly awful, truly evil, disturbing things. But the worst thing that can happen to an individual is that they would turn away from God and lose their soul. At the end of the day, that is the worst thing that they would separate that union from God forever and that they would not get to spend eternity with them. That is the worst thing that can happen on this world. And when you come to understand that, I think there's a new level of hope because it's like, okay, this terrible thing happened. This is awful. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. But I still have God. Mm-hmm. But I still have heaven. Who is everything? 
Yeah. I, I still have this great beaming light of hope and joy and perfection who offers to be with me. And yeah. from that, that's where you draw all of that that goes outward into the world. Yeah. And I think too, just the whole, like with the cross thing, that image that you gave about like carrying the cross every day and right. Jesus says the burden is easy. My, or my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay. Uh, do we take him for his word? Do we believe him? Because it is like, he is everything. Um, like St. Luke's whole gospel. He talks about the poor a lot. And then we find Jesus talking about how it's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, why? Well, yeah, sure. Money. You're right, money's bad. Well, that's not bad, but like it can lead to a bad mindset. Um, but that bad mindset is the one of self-reliance that says, I can do this. It's all about here, now, this earth. There's nothing beyond this. Um, therefore, I, I can manage everything here. Um, but our attitude needs to be the one of, like you were just talking about, the one that clings to Jesus carrying the cross because he wants to share in that burden with you. Um, the clinging and getting away from self-reliance helps us to just accept and receive everything, right? Because God is so, even when bad things happen, which they will, like, that's just not up for debate. They're going to, they're going to happen. Um, to then receive everything from God because he is everything. He's offering you himself. So we say, you have God still. People go, what is that good for? It's good for everything, but you have to cling to him and hold to that. Um, and it stops you from kind of going all over the place and just kind of being like, I don't know what's up anymore. Like everything seems off. But in reality, it's like, no, I still have the source of life. Yep. Spot on, John. I think a good place to kind of wrap all this together is just lastly, like, what are those tools that we can have in our tool belt in these situations, in these difficult situations? Um, I think we hit one on the head right there with just knowing where your hope comes from mm-hmm. and not being afraid to share an insight into that. Like you always think like, have you heard that example of like a window into the soul, like mm. not being able to like, not being afraid to have that window open, have the blinds open so people mm. can see in and say, yeah. Oh, there's a different amount of hope in this person. What is the source of it? They can look into the, the window of the soul and be like, okay, there's the source. Like their source is their faith. Their source is their God. I think that one is a beautiful witness. Um, again, we go back to the idea of like, okay, clarify, educate, yep. all those kinds of things. Don't argue. But really, what does it mean to educate? What does it mean to clarify? It means a constant challenging of yourself and mm-hmm. a constant growth in yourself of asking questions, looking yeah. for answers, looking for supplication in these different forms, whether it's reading, whether it's podcasts, whether it's videos, whatever it may be. Um, just understanding that you need to have these answers to these questions that the world asks in your own heart. You need to understand them. You need to come to a level of just observance and knowledge so that you in turn are able to explain them. Like there's a, that idea of like, Oh, well, I know who God is. But if I asked, if somebody asked me, Michael, who is God? Would I be able to put that into words? Would I know how to explain it to someone else? Be able to take time and like really think about those questions and, I think for myself, the thing that comes to mind for me is typically when it's like you're asking questions about the faith, it's a lot of those why questions. Why are you, why are you Christian? Why do you believe this? Or why do you guys do this? Why do you go to mass on Sunday? All these things. 
So I think that big education is understanding like why, knowing your why, knowing the why behind practicing your faith, knowing the why behind going to church, knowing the why behind why you believe X, Y, Z thing. I think that is just uberly, uberly beneficial to those conversations. Yeah. I think the last point I'll say is just like, know the why, but know the how too, right? Because if someone comes to you and you don't know how your life is different because of your relationship with Christ and coming to know him, um, that's problematic to put it bluntly. It is like, if you can't speak into how is my life different from knowing Jesus Christ intimately in my life, then you can't bear witness to the why you have to be able to point to like, because if the person's asking like, why this? Cause they're asking, well, how is my life going to be different? If I actually accept those things and hold them and assent to them, you have to know how your life is different. Be able to speak into that. That's why like um, when we were in college, the focus missionaries were big on give your testimony. Fine. I don't know how often those opportunities actually come up and how like natural they are. And we, like, don't be weird. <laughs> Just start yelling at people. But like, um, know how to talk into how is my life different, right? This talk, this comes from speaking of graces, speaking of struggles, like, Oh, just a great grace from this week was, you know, seeing this thing happen in my life or uh, receiving this thing or whatever, being able to talk about that in that way, such like, Oh, what do you mean? Grace? Oh, it was this gift. It's a gift from God. It's not anything I did. I was open to it, but God offered that to me. So just being able to explain the how so that the why actually makes sense, I think is kind of how I tie it all up. Yeah, I think that's, that's perfect. Yeah, I was kind of overlooking the how I think, but that's all right. John filled in the gaps. Filling in the gaps, just riffing here. Smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. Yeah, but I think, yeah, that's all we got for this edition of The Catch. Good stuff today. In our opinion. Hopefully you guys agree. Um, But again, As always, uh, please reach out if you have any comments, questions, concerns, any insights on John and I's many, many debates on food. Um, Yes. But yeah, reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. As always, uh, we're praying for you guys. Uh, Let us know if you have any special prayer intentions. We'll keep them in our mind and in our heads, but please pray for us as well. Um, Mm -hmm. John's moving over to a new parish tomorrow. Yeah, to start his summer assignment so keep him in your prayers especially please thank you um yeah that's all we got so until next time everyone toodles, toodles. toodles.